This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of Max List. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstack, our managing director, and Jenna Forstrom, our community manager. This week, we're talking about how to get the most out of your day when you do a job search. Our show is brought to you by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course for MaxList that starts November 1st. As many as 8 out of 10 job openings never get advertised. Is your dream job one of them? Learn how to uncover hidden jobs and get noticed by the hiring managers who fill them. Visit maxlist.org course. Making the most of your day always matters, and especially when job hunting. Looking for a new gig takes time and effort. And all your other responsibilities don't magically go away when you're looking for work. This week's guest expert, Matt Kepnes, knows all about juggling priorities and schedules. He's a travel writer, and he lives on the road full-time as he travels the world. Later in the show, I'll talk with Matt about his personal productivity hacks and how you can use them in your job search. We all know the surest way to move a resume to the reject pile is to make a spelling or a grammar error. In a moment, Ben Forstag will share an online tool to catch common writing flubs. And this week, our listener question comes from Kelly Garriott. He wonders how best to present and market his soft skills in his job search. Jenna Forstrom has her advice. But first, as always, let's check in with the MaxList team. Ben, Jenna, um, I'm curious. Our topic this week is how to make the most of your day during a job search. How do you two organize your day uh, to get the most done when you've looked for work? You know, I guess wake up early would be my... my, my <laughs> make the day longer? Make the day longer. Um, you know, so I think that, we're talking about productivity here. Well, so <laughs> it does fit in here. Uh, so I'm, I'm a morning person, and I really mm-hmm. feel like I get more done between when I wake up and 10 a.m. than I do the rest of the day. Um, and so for me, it's important to kind of wake up on the earlier side. And I find even on weekends, I'm waking up at six in the morning usually to start getting stuff done. Now, the caveat here is that I've got two small children, so I don't even need to set an alarm clock anymore. I'm up at 5.30 or 6 anyway, but uh, that's my my secret. Longer days and cramming as much work into the morning as I can. Okay, so uh, the early bird gets the worm and the job. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. How about you, Jenna? What what is What have you done to increase your productivity when you've looked for work? I, um, I've had two stints of unemployment and both times, uh, to avoid the, what I call like psychosis of monster and indeed and maxless when you're just applying for any job and just the spray and play pray is what Ben says to avoid that. I set a timer and I spend an hour job hunting a day and that's it. And that I, that's part of a bigger plan of spending, um, time volunteering, um, time working out time. I'm a homeowner. So home improvement projects while unemployed takes up a lot of time. And each of those, I try to book out an hour of time and I just set in a time, a timer. So if it's, I'm applying for a jobs for an hour or I have a phone interview or I'm going in person, that's my hour of job hunting. And it's more of a holistic approach to keeping sane while unemployed. So it's an hour a day, seven days a week or just five uh, no, days? Monday through Friday. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I found having structure uh, and regular commitments makes a big difference. So I, I haven't worked with a timer like you, Jenna, but I have set aside specific blocks of time in my calendar. And then also I've had uh, volunteer commitments and regular gigs. So I, I'm not sitting at home by myself 
uh, which which I have done, and I can tell you, as I'm sure many listeners realize, is not the best use of your time when you're looking for work. Yeah, I think Marcia said something about spending when you're when if you get laid off or if you've lost a job, like spending a week being sorry and then like moving on to that. So like, I really liked. I, we did a bonus episode. We'll include it in yeah, the with show Marcia notes. Warner. I think. Yeah, it yeah. was really interesting to just be like own sitting at home in like a dark corner and being upset and then moving on. Yeah. Yeah, I think some acknowledgement of, of of that grief is is good, but then that's when then you got to, as you say, move on. Well, thank you both. Um, now let's turn to Ben because every week he's out there searching the internet, poking around in the nooks and crannies, and looking for tools, books, and websites you can use in your job search. Ben, what have you found for our listeners this week? So I'm going to start with with just saying a truth here. You know what? Like one of the worst things ever when you're applying for jobs is? Uh, the worst. Well, I mean, the worst is not getting the job. But I mean, amongst the worst is like when you've you spent hours working on a cover letter or a resume and you've sent it off. You've already pressed the send button. And you discover the typo. And then you discover the typo. Like you misspelled your name or you've got a word in there three times in a row. And it doesn't matter like how many times you've read it or had someone read it. Like you're always going to miss these things. That's, that's the worst because you can't take that back. So my resource this week is an online tool I found called Grammarly, which is a plugin that you can put into your browser. Um, you can also download like a software version, but most of the time this kind of sits in your browser and it finds uh, up to 250 different types of errors. Uh, so typos, repetitive words, uh, times when cases don't match or, or verb tenses don't match. Uh, these are errors that typically even Microsoft Word doesn't find. And here's the best part. It works not just when you're typing a document in Word, but when you're on Facebook or Gmail or anywhere else where they might not have a real comprehensive uh, spell check and grammar check, this tool sits there and auto-corrects things or makes suggestions. Uh, it also does this cool thing where it uh, reads the context of what you're writing and then suggests synonyms or better synonyms. So instead of using the word like huge or big, it'll come in and say, oh, maybe you want to use this word instead, right? So it's really cool. Here's the best part. The baseline package is completely free if you download it and use it on your Chrome browser. And as an aside, everyone should be using Chrome as their browser right now. Um, so I really suggest you check it out. It's called Grammarly, and it's available at Grammarly.com. So it's awesome. It's free, and it's going to save you from that heartbreaking moment when you've just pressed send on an email and realize you made an awful typo in the first line. Uh, that's a great tip. I, and it's not fair, but it is a fact that when people are sorting through those 50, 75, 100 resumes to get it down to the five or 10 people they're going to invite in for an interview, they look for typos. And because the job at that point is to reduce that pile of 100 or 75 or 50 to five or 10. And any spelling or grammar errors are, are just an easy way to, to do that. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Ben in, always enjoys hearing from listeners, as do all of us. And if you've got a suggestion for him, please write Ben. His email address is ben at maxlist.org. And we would love to feature one of your ideas uh, on the show. Now let's turn to you, our listeners. And Jenna Forstrom, our community manager, is here. And she joins us to answer one of your questions. Jenna, what do you got in the mailbag this week? Today's question comes from Kelly. Hi, my name is Kelly. And I am responding or replying to your 
uh, email uh, with uh, my question for seeking employment. Uh, I find myself at the age of 55 as being kind of a generalist. I've done a lot of different things in my working career. I've worked for a long time at very small credit unions, uh, less than 10 employees. I've sold workers' comp insurance for a lot of years. I've even owned a small franchise, uh, which was a uh, housekeeping franchise. And so I find myself with no real meaningful title. And what that leaves me in the situation of, of, of trying to sell and trying to market uh, uh, soft skills. Uh, for instance, my core competencies are developing rapport and conceptualizing, uh, perceiving feelings and situations. Uh, my uh, Strength Finder 2.0 uh, talents are creating harmony, uh, consistency, empathy, context, and deliberative. I'm having a difficult time networking when that's what I have to lead with. Uh, you know, employers are looking for specific uh, people to do specific things, and I find myself trying to market soft skills. And so any help that you could provide, uh, I would sure appreciate uh, just how I could make the words flow uh, to, to help me uh, meet people and, and apply for jobs. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly, uh, for calling in. This is where having a solid cover letter and customized resume comes into play because using um, using a cover letter to really show off your emotional intelligence is really key. Um, and that being said, being a strong networker definitely helps. And if you could speak to those, speak to ways that you have previously helped your employees. So you worked at a credit union. So maybe did you solve a big customer service hiccup or um, – had the opportunity with your franchise to grow over the course of a couple years or in selling insurance comp, meeting with uh, potential clients when you're selling insurance, hearing what their needs are and offering customized packages and presentation skills are all things that employers are looking for. And just talking about how you facilitated and managed key relationships have resulted in X amount of money. Just talk about how your soft skills have equated into tangible results that are numbers and solid are the key things um, when you're selling soft skills. And then just obviously being very friendly and personable, which you kind of sound like you are. So keep it up. Um, and Mac and Ben, do you guys have any tips for Kelly? Well, a couple things I'd say. First, um, Kelly seems – the root of his question seems to be um, concerned that he doesn't have the job titles in his past. Um, and that employers are looking for those job titles when they're hiring. And I don't think the, your past job titles matter that much if you're able to frame what you were doing around uh, skills and accomplishments. And so I would say, you know, looking back through your, your history, working for the credit unions or running a franchise, I mean, clearly there's some hard skills that you had to have be pretty good at there, money management, customer relations, uh all these things. And so you can kind of take a step above job title and start talking about actual responsibilities and actual achievements you made in each piece. I think the other thing to uh, to tell Kelly, and maybe this is a bit of solace as well, is that so much of networking and so much of the hiring process is built around culture fit, 
right? And whether you, this is someone that you want to work with, you can see yourself working with, is going to fit into your culture, going to fit into the workflow you have in your organization. And I think some of the soft skills that Kelly has identified, things like empathy, those certainly are going to help you in in solving that culture fit puzzle, right? Because uh, you know you need to have the skills there, but also if you are someone who's generally a good person, uh, engaging to others, that's going to help you make that relationship with the interviewer when you have the meeting. I agree with you, Ben, that I, I think Kelly has the background and the titles and the uh, don't matter that much. It's, it's all about describing the experience and the accomplishments and what he's done in those different positions. Because as he described his background, uh, he's done some interesting things. So he might benefit from uh, working with a resume coach. And uh, if budget is an issue, he uh, one way to get good resume writing advice uh, is to turn to your career, uh, your the career services office at your college where you may have graduated. Uh, there are also volunteer groups out there, but that can help. And you can find them in almost any community. But even if he has to invest a few hundred dollars in working with a resume coach, I think it will help him because I, it sounds like he's struggling with um, structuring and describing his, his experience and his accomplishments. And a good resume writer can help you with that. I would also say his uh, soft skills are a huge asset. And the best way to tap into that asset is to use those skills to get in front of people through networking and through conversations. And to, But don't but lead with your accomplishments and your hard skills and walk into the room with a resume that uh, summarizes those uh, in, a, in a matter of fact way. And if that it's difficult for Kelly to get that down on paper, again, I think a coach could be of great help here. And, and I would just add, like, don't market yourself as a generalist because generalists have a hard time landing any job. Yeah, it's, it's excellent advice. You got to focus on what your niches are, and you can have two or three niches, but you can't be all things to all people. Yeah, and so you want to look for like kind of the big themes behind what you've done and your accomplishments, and market yourself around those themes, but not generalist. Okay. okay. Well, thank you, Jenna, for that question. Thank you, Kelly, for calling in. We really appreciate it. If you've got a question for Jenna and uh, the team, please email her. Her address is Jenna at MaxList.org or call the listener line. That number is area code 716-JOB-TALK. That's 716-J-O-B-T-A-L-K. These segments with Jenna and Ben are sponsored by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course for MaxList. As many as 80% of all jobs never get posted. Instead, employers fill these openings by word of mouth. Our new course shows you how this hidden job market works. We'll teach you how to find plum gigs that never appear on a job board, how to stand out online in a crowd of applicants, and how to connect with insiders who can help your career. In each of the course's 12 modules, you get the tools and tips you need to get the work you want. Meaningful work, work that makes a difference, work that you can love. Hack the Hidden Job Market launches November 1st. But don't wait. Get updates and lock in the early bird price now. Go to maxlist.org slash course. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Matt Kepnes.
Matt Kepnes runs the award-winning budget travel site Nomadic Matt, and he wrote the New York Times bestseller, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. After a trip to Thailand in 2005, Matt decided to quit his job, finish his MBA, and head off into the world. His original trip was supposed to last a year. Over 10 years later, he's still out roaming the world and teaching others how to do the same. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, you're a travel writer, uh, a fellow with no permanent address. You work on the road without an office or a boss, and you've got lots of unstructured time, Matt. Uh, But you're also a prolific writer. You've got a successful small business. What have those experiences taught you about how to be productive personally? You know, when I started this journey, I would always travel and work at the same time. But as I've grown my business more and more, I've, I've found that really harder to do um, because the demands of the business grow and then I can't go travel. And one thing's always suffering. So I, I've learned the value of batching. Uh, you know, a, a lot of online entrepreneurs talk about batching, you know, doing just one task all at once at a certain times. So they do all their emails. Friday morning and then they don't look at it again. Um, I like to batch everything. So I only work on certain days when I travel. Uh, I don't work weekends. You know, I try to create artificial constructs around my day um, because then it forces me to get all the work done at that certain time. You know, if you're working online, it's very easy to just, you know, Work a little bit, go on Facebook, work a little more, because you, know, you get the whole day. Um, but I feel if you restrict yourself, you've, you're forcing yourself to get a task done, and you're much more productive. So our listeners are, are people who are either looking for work or thinking about their career, and, and uh, particularly those who are between jobs have a lot of unstructured time like you. You, you mentioned batching, Matt. What, what are some other tips that you have for people who have unstructured time and who want to get the most out of their day? Uh, I think it's also really important to create a schedule. Um, and I don't mean a, a to-do list. Uh, I always have a to-do list. But I think maybe this is just me, but I feel like it's a lot of people I talk to. When you create a to-do list, you do the easiest things first. And then you kind of push off the longer, harder stuff. Um, and then your list just gives you anxiety because all that's left is the difficult stuff. And then you find smaller tasks to do. So I, I write a weekly schedule every, every week. I, uh, every Sunday night, I sort of map up my week. Okay, on Monday morning, I'm going to do this. And on Tuesday, I'm going to do that. And I'm very specific about it. And so you, you get things done. Because you just look like, I only have to do this today. This is my day. I just have to get through this. And it sort of focuses you a lot more because then you're not, you're not trying to just do the easy stuff because you only have to do that day. Um, and I know people who take this to another extreme and they say, okay, from 8 to 10, I do this. 10 to 12, I do this. Um, I, don't, I don't go that far. Um, but I try to be as very specific and create a schedule for myself. Uh, I think that's really important is not to create a to-do list, but to create a weekly schedule. So I, I'm curious, Matt, I, I imagine 
when you lay out that schedule on Sunday during the course of the week, you might get a, an email from someone who has a short deadline. They'd like an article from you and they're willing to pay you a, a good sum. I'm thinking about our listeners too, who might midway through a week get a call saying, can you come in for an interview tomorrow? And, and you know that to uh, make the most of that opportunity, you got to do some preparation and research. How do you recommend people, Matt, handle those unexpected uh, projects that just you know you come via a phone call or an email, whether it's a job interview or, in your case, perhaps a writing project? I always put in time. Like, it's never one, like, I'm, I'm never back to back to back. So there's always some flexibility within that schedule in case there, a project does have to come up or a lunch runs late or a phone call runs late or like I was before this, a doctor's appointment runs late. And so there's always some flexibility in my day because I, I work on the assumption I'm never going to be as productive as I think I'm going to be. So it's, it's never like, oh, I, like, I have these six things to do. And it's never things that are going to be huge projects. It's just enough because I know that something's going to come up. Okay, so as part of the planning process, identify blocks of time that allow for that wiggle room or those unexpected opportunities or projects. What about distractions, right. Matt? I, I imagine, especially when you're traveling, you, there are just so many things you could do if you're in a new city and you're stepping out or if you're a job seeker too, there's um, uh, some people get distracted by housework or cable television. How do you manage distractions and, and, uh, don't let them take you away from what it is you want to get done in a day. Well, I use a app for my Macintosh called, I can't believe called a Macintosh. That's throwback, my Mac. <laughs> um, it's okay. Mac we remember computer. Macintoshes. Yeah. It's called self-control and it blocks out websites uh, that are very distracting. For me, I find, Facebook and YouTube, very distracting. So I, I just block all these sites and then it focuses me on tasks because once this is up, you, you just can't visit these websites. Um, and so I think it's really easy to just fall down this rabbit hole of one site to another site to another site. So again, this goes back to creating those barriers that you work in forces you to be productive. And for me, I am a very unproductive person without any constraints. So by creating those constraints, I increase my productivity because I reduce my distractions. Okay. So put those constraints into place and, and then it becomes a, a non-issue. Uh, you, you mentioned barriers, Matt. When What are some other the biggest barriers you see to, to productivity during the day and getting the most out of your day? And, and how, do you, how do you see people overcome them? I mean, for me, the biggest issue is I'm always on the road, right? I'm, I'm traveling all the time. So it's difficult for me to create a routine. And, you know, where I want to, you know, I just flew into a new city. I want to focus on that. So I can be easily swayed from getting out of work. So I think you're trying to force yourself to be as productive and efficient with your time. That's really important. Um, and it's also trying to 
create a routine. For me, that what that means is I go to Starbucks a lot. And I know it's such a cliche to be working on your, your online business from your, from your Mac at a Starbucks. But the, a Starbucks is the same everywhere. If you step into a Starbucks in the, the U.S. and you step into a Starbucks in South Africa, they look and feel the same. And so which, what happens is when you work and you develop a routine, your mind sort of creates gets productive on its own because like Pavlov dog and knows when you step into the office, it's not work time. When you're somewhere else, it's gym time or it's reading time. When you're always on the road, like I am, you don't, your mind doesn't create that routine. So for me, I've trained myself to know when I step into a Starbucks, it's, it's like my office because I get all the same mental triggers and cues that your your office would have like a corporate nine to five. So I create that familiarity and that routine and then I go, okay, well I'm in the Starbucks. This is work time. And so for me, when I'm on the road, trying to have sort of that familiar anchor keeps me productive. Okay. So if if you're a job seeker, it, it it's helpful to create those routines both at home and, and have a place that is where you do work, whether it's in your home or you go to a coffee shop. I got to say too, Matt, as you were speaking, I was reminded of a friend of mine who was a consultant who traveled almost every week and he always stayed at Marriott Courtyards uh, because the room was the same wherever he was, no no matter what state it was. And and that gave him a sense of familiarity and that made for a restful night of sleep. So I think there's something to what you say there. Right, right. And you know, what you said, whether you work at home, I think it's very important to leave your home. Um, at, at least at, at some point. And you, I usually work like half the day at home and then I go somewhere else. Because when you're in your home, you're just so comfortable and cozy because it's your home. So you end up, I think, less productive because maybe you're, you end up going to the laundry or something. You know, working home are, should, should be a little bit separate. Okay. Well, this is all great advice. Thanks for these tips, Matt, about personal productivity and getting the most out of your day. Now tell our listeners, what's next for you? What do you have coming up? I'm flying to Iceland uh, in Scotland. I leave tomorrow, um, which, well, for most listeners, I might actually have already been back by this time. But yeah, I'm heading to Europe for a little bit. And then going back to Austin for the remainder of 2016 uh, before I figure out what to do in early 2017. Okay, great. And I know you're joining us today from the Boston area. So thanks for making the time. And if listeners would like to learn more about Matt and his work and his books, uh, you can find uh, out more by visiting his website. It is nomadicmatt.com. Matt, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Talk productivity. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Okay, we're back in the Maxless studio with Jenna and Ben. Now, tell me, you two, what were, were some of the key points you heard Matt make about productivity and getting the most out of your day? So, anyone who's listened to this show long enough has probably heard me 
kvetch about uh, how I don't like working from home on Fridays and how I find it really stressful. It's kind of a refrain for you, Ben. Yeah, I just yeah. keep going back to it. And like, yeah. I just I just want to come to the office I, all the time. We got to ask, does your wife Erin listen to the show anymore? <laughs> she uh, Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's heard enough kvetching in real life. So, um, but, uh, so I really liked Matt's point about getting out of the house as part of your w- work routine if you're um, working from home. Or if you're not working... Uh, I think it, there's a lot of value of getting out of the house and going someplace different to spend your hour, if you're Jenna, or your two hours, or however long you're going to spend looking at jobs. Go do it at Starbucks. I mean, the Wi-Fi is free there. You probably have a laptop. And I find, actually, when I go uh, out to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee, I end up being so much more productive, mostly because I'm embarrassed to pull up the Facebook or the YouTube or all that other stuff. I don't want other people to see me doing that. So like, I'm all work all the time. Um, so that that was the part I liked. What about you, Jenna? I um, really liked his comment about scheduling out his week, uh, and just and that helps him stay productive and not just focusing on the current to do list. Because I do agree, I think everyone reverts back to like maybe their college days where like they know they have a final and that's when they decide to clean their bedroom or their dorm room, right? Because it's like you just want to avoid that big, scary project or assignment or whatever that that thing is. Um, so instead of like looking at it as a to-do list, but like on Monday, I'm going to accomplish this on Tuesday, I'm going to accomplish that. And I think that really is helpful when you're job hunting. So you look at your entire week. So on Tuesday, I have an interview on Thursday, I'm going to a networking event. And then Wednesday, it's going to be nice out. So I'm taking my dog on a hike in the gorge. So just being sure that you schedule things out that get you out of your house and out into networking and being with other people and Spending your time productively definitely was a good point that he made. And I, I like the point he made about one of the traps of the to-do list is that we equate the number of check marks with productivity. In other words, we um, give this, you know, we answer this email or do this easy task or that easy task. And we've got five check marks. But the one thing that is keeping us up at night, whether it's a job application or that final that you talked about in, during college years, somehow just doesn't get done and keeps getting pushed to the next day. So managing that, I think, is is key. And and that's the wickedness of email right there, which is it's a proxy to-do list. So people who are obsessed with, like, getting to inbox zero, it's sometimes that's, like, the least productive thing you could be doing with your day, and you're missing out on all the other big projects you should be working on. Yeah, and you've got to think about that. Those job applications or those informational interviews and those networking events that are that matter and not worry about the email that the five emails that came in this morning because you, you need to look at them and make a decision. But chances are they can they're not as important as those big goals that you've identified. Great. Well, thank you both. And thank you, Matt, uh, for joining us as our guest expert this week. And thank you, our listeners, for uh, downloading this week's episode of Find Your Dream Job. If you like what you hear, please sign up for our free weekly newsletter. In each issue, we give the key points of that week's show. We also include links to all the resources mentioned, and you get a transcript of the full episode. If you subscribe to the newsletter now, we'll send you our job seeker checklist in one easy-to-use file. We show you all the steps you need to take to find a great job. Get your free newsletter and checklist today. Go to maxlist.org slash podcast join us next wednesday when our special guest will be caroline dowd higgins 
she'll tell you how you can find your true voice in a job interview. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.